This is Alicia Free, a badass belly dancer, musician, and real food enthusiast, here to help you feel a little lighter. Each show will dive into music that makes us want to dance. We'll share secrets of looking smoking hot in costume and everyday life. We'll dote on delicious whole food that makes us glow. And I'll throw in a damn sexy dance move you can try at home. Carmine Gaida is a party-making machine, and he's also a very talented and versatile musician. He teaches percussion and plays melody instruments, including Jim Bush and Oud. It's actually pronounced Jumbush, I think. It's more like Jumbush, yeah. Jumbush. And he created the recordings Middle Eastern Rhythms for Practice, and that is a great resource for dancers, as well as a list of Hofla song notation that dancers can share with the musicians in our lives. You can get it all on Carmine.com. Carmine's awesomeness has been sprinkled throughout many episodes of this podcast, A Little Lighter, including episode 20 with lady drummer Casey Vaughn, who loves drumming with you, and episode 26 with Johanna Zenobia, who loves dancing Yeah, I know. She's great. She is awesome. And many of the time that I talk about dancing at Penzik, Carmine was there with a flock of Davul players, for example, around a raging fire. So I talk about Penzik a lot in this podcast because I think it's just such an amazing place to be a dancer. So I featured Roxanne, the hurdy-gurdy player, in one of the episodes and just realized that for musicians, it's paradise too because you guys can just jam without worrying about things. It's amazing. I think some of the magical stuff isn't even the planned stuff. It's just the sort of pick up random stuff. I mean, there is amazing hopples, but sometimes the really super memorable stuff is random. Them. We've gotten caught in the rain and had to stay somewhere, and it's been amazing. So at Penzik, Carmine plays Oud, and he's surrounded by people in full Ottoman Turkish oh, yeah, costumes. Yeah. It's just so beautiful in the soft light of a hafla. And yeah. Carmine, you even played live music for some of my belly dance classes that I taught at Penzik. Oh, yeah, no, totally fun. I would imagine if you're a belly dance teacher there, to have like a three-piece band to play for a belly dance class is pretty cool. It's such yeah. a gift to the students who are probably never going to get that gift again. Oh, such a treat. Yeah, it keeps the magic. Yeah, the origin. So now I bring to you directly this musician who was adored by so much of the belly dance community in the U.S. and abroad. Carmine Gaida! You know what? I have a new oud. I just got it a couple weeks ago. You want me to play it a little teeny bit? Is that cool? Play it. Play it. Oh, yeah. get it this is a website called sala music you know i ordered it online and normally i don't like to order instruments without playing them first ask them to send me like a sound file it sounds really nice and it's very easy to amplify and- oh good all right but let's talk a little bit about gin sure. so your band gin that starts yeah. d-j-i-n-n mm-hmm. hasn't performed together for a few years now but yeah. it was pure magic when you did, and the recordings are fabulous. So one of the percussions in that band, Brad Mack, who was in episode 42 with the lovely Keishi Chai. We talked about Jin in that one. And also Hakan, a male dancer that you know from Penzik. Oh, yeah. He actually featured the Jin song, Burning of the Temple, in oh, episode cool. 24, back when I interviewed him. It was actually at Penzik that I interviewed mm-hmm. him next to a tent. <laughs> 
So we've talked about the band Jin before, and the band just created amazing dance and party music. And yeah. I miss that configuration with the beatboxing and the hurdy-gurdy and the jumbush and the percussion. You know, that Burning at a Temple song was Melissa the Loud song. It was one of her hurdy-gurdy songs that we like totally jacked up. You know what's funny about Jin? I was originally just playing jumbush or oud, and it was Brad and I and this guy Brian Carter. And they wanted to add beatboxing, and I'm like, I don't know how I feel about that. <laughs> and then we added him, you know, it sounded great. And then the hurdy-gurdy, they wanted to add her in and i was like i don't know how i feel about that <laughs> and you know like sounded great despite me you know the band sounded great i learned this stuff with these bands that were kind of more traditional so but it was totally amazing and it was like a series of fluke things that happened i wish i could duplicate all of that but <laughs> that configuration is so crazy it's such great party music and when i tell people that we have beatbox and hurdy-gurdy they're like what <laughs> it's like at the same time i'm like yeah <laughs> it just has such a great sound i think the jumbush is so plucky and then that drone of the hurdy-gurdy made it great especially for like a lot of that tribal stuff thank you to Jin and Carmine for letting me use that little slice of Brooklyn Bellity for you to hear and also Carmine for letting me use some of your drum rhythms in between the segments of the show What music projects are you really excited about right now? I think back in March and COVID was hitting and then they were shutting everything down and all these events, you were just waiting to find out what event is canceled. So I have five events from then till now they're all canceled. I just wasn't feeling it for months to make music, to play out. I had a lot of people asking me to do their online hoflas, which was really nice, but I just got into a place where I wasn't feeling it. Recently, in the past few weeks, I've been playing out again. Brad and I are playing at this Nomad restaurant restaurant. And what's great is we're playing outside. I've never had this much room to play ever in New York City. I have so much room. You know, the audience needs to be like 12 feet away from us. I'm excited to be playing again, just doing a simple gig. I don't have any major project projects, but I'm so inspired right now to work on new old songs and to get out there and do stuff. I feel like I've disappeared for a bit. Yeah. With dancing, I felt the same with COVID. I'd be like, uh, I'm totally uninspired to belly yeah. dance for chunks of time. So I totally hear you. Yeah. I yeah. mean, I played for the first time outside of my house four weeks ago. It was the first time since, I don't know, February, since I've played outside of my house. This interview with Carmine was recorded in September of 2020. I don't think I've gone two or three weeks without performing for decades i don't even i don't even know so now i'm playing every other week again it's great nice and i actually saw the video that Casey posted on instagram of her with the face shield it was fun i think it was a good way to have fun with the situation looks like everyone's going out welding to me yeah yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> welding enthusiasts meet up <laughs> This question was obviously inspired by your Doombeck battle that you love to do in your drumming oh, workshops. Sure. If there was a battle between the American banjo and the Jimbush, who would win? Wow. <laughs> the Jimbush can play the microtones, quarter tones, semitones, you know, it's fretless. The banjo, I think you can play faster on in some ways when it's easier to play chords on the banjo. Wow. I don't know who would win. I think if you were going to drop both of them, the American banjo would survive better. If you were going to drop them both, the American banjo is much sturdier. The neck is bigger or something, Yeah, and then the body is heavier. So the American banjo would survive a drop better. But yeah, I don't know. The Jimbush for coolness factor? I don't know. I think the Jimbush is cooler. Sorry, banjo fans, but Jimbush, I think it's cooler. You know, to our Western ears, it has this otherworldly sound, doesn't yeah. it? The Jimbush sounds Eastern immediately. I mean, we're talking about the sound Jin had. I think it just sounded Eastern right away when you hear that twangy resonant. I don't know if I'd bring a Jimbush 
push to a banjo bite or something like that. <laughs> Maybe that's a bad thing, I don't know. Now, the word for jibush, it means fun. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And are they the same strings, banjo and uh, jibush? No, 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 no. The jibush, the strings are closer to guitar strings, I think. They're a thicker, round. Uh-huh, round. okay. And yeah. it's more like a wiry sound almost with the Yeah, jibush. yeah. The strings are doubled, like a mandolin has two strings that are next to each other that sound the same. Um, the jibush is like that also. And when you have two strings and you play them together, they're never 100% the same perfect tuning. Right. It kind of builds in that chorus effect or it builds in a little bit of a watery effect, a teeny bit because of the doubled strings. I never thought about that with yeah. sympathetic strings, right? Yeah. They're never going to be 100% the same. Yeah, they're never perfect. If you play like a 12 string guitar, they're not perfect. It makes it fuller. Yeah. So the answer is we don't know. Who would be? <laughs> <laughs> you know, you're right. I'll tell you what's hilarious. I'm the person on the internet people find when they have a jumbush problem. I had a jumbush of mine break and I'm like, I'm that guy. Oh no. <laughs> if I Google for fixing jumbush, I just find my own post Amazing. from eight years ago. I have this. I can maybe almost you. Oh. Don't worry about a thing. Cause every little thing is gonna be alright. Yeah. Yay! Yeah, right. that's been one of my COVID anthems. Yeah, no, that's been one of my COVID anthems too. Though so many times now, I'm like, all right. <laughs> I'm starting to worry. <laughs> you know, when the shutdown started, we started dancing and I was like, all right, we're going to dance for 30 days and everything's going to open back up. And then it was like 60 days and we got up to 100 days and we were like, all right, we're going to stop dancing every day now. <laughs> yeah. I just couldn't even believe it got up to 100 and there's no end in sight. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. It's been a nice little time capsule of COVID experience throughout the podcast. Thanks for playing the ukulele card. Sure, sure. I didn't see that one coming. Uh, this instrument's all over my walls here. There's always something within arm's reach you can pick up and start playing. It. Awesome. You organized Super Fun Dance Camp for years at a campground just outside of New York City, and it was a magical event with Jill Parker and fire dancing from Belladonna and live music late mm -hmm. into the night. And so many musicians and dancers love performing with you, Carmine. Mm -hmm. So what are some of your secrets to making events and life super fun? <laughs> it's funny when Mimi and I first were thinking about doing these events first we we're like oh we'll just do a small retreat and then we ended up getting so many people that we needed to find a bigger space <laughs> then at the end you know we ended up using this really amazing campsite we thought about the other camps and things we went to we want to make sure we didn't do any of the things that went wrong at the other ones we wanted things to be close we didn't want to worry about a lot of things so what's good is the space that we found took care of a lot of the stuff for us I mean we still ran around and did stuff but what's nice is we were able to make it so that we could enjoy our own event. And I think that was important. That was striking to see you guys actually sit down and play music. And Mimi was in classes. It was beautiful to see you guys actually participate. Yeah. And her and I would talk. She's like, hey, I really want to take so-and-so's class. Can I tell her I'm playing for someone else's class? So we would take turns if we wanted to take classes, especially if we're flying somebody in. I want to take classes at person. So we would help each other with where we could take our own classes of the people we have there. And at the end of the day, I think what makes the event really fun are, of course, the people. The people we had, they were really fun. And, you know, the teachers we had were so fun. And the musicians and the band were so fun. The people who came to the event were really fun. And just to ridiculous things yeah i don't know if it's a secret i think it's just need to have really fun people there you know have you been to art of the belly not yet i wanted to yeah. march when it got canceled 
It's a really, really fun event, you know? And it's funny when I met the organizer, Patty, I didn't know she was the organizer at first because she just seemed so low stressed and just hanging out. And there's like hundreds of people there. You know, there's a lot of people there. So I think being able to enjoy your own event. And I think if the organizer is having fun, everyone is having fun. Yeah. I remember one of the durations of our band, the band leader was like stressed out and crazy. And it was like, this is no longer fun. But you're right. It's the leadership is really important. Yeah. yeah. Organizer. You know, I also think this is important is that I think something about it being at a camp instead of Mm -hmm. it being at a hotel you have more organic hanging out. If you're staying in one of those cabins, you're forced to be with 10 other people anyway. So you end up meeting other people because you're sharing. It's not like if you go to an event, you're with two friends and you stay at the hotel room and then you come out for classes, then you go back again. You know, I feel like with the camp, you just run into people more, just going for a walk. Something about the camp setup, I think, makes it so that people just meet, like I said, more organically, end up having conversations with people maybe you wouldn't have had a conversation with before or just run into or something like that. I totally agree. I loved bunking with Jill Parker and Joe Boring and Brenna Crowley. I was like, this is so awesome. I have this theory about festivals because I love outdoor festivals too, about sharing a water source, about how that really shapes the experience of festivals. You know, when you're at the water pump or you're at the shared kitchen sink because we're at a camp of 100 people. There is probably a research paper you could do involved. (laughs) Share a water source or a food source. You know, what would happen? Right. Like you're saying, the meals together in the big dining hall as opposed to a hotel. There's a lot more opportunity. Yeah, you have to tell them we're all eating at different times. There is like a hundred of us eating at the same time in the same room. We all have the same schedule. So maybe that's what makes it fun. (laughs) I don't know. Yeah, I didn't think about those aspects of the setup, but I totally agree. What is the best way for a dancer to acknowledge the band? What helps you feel appreciated as a musician? Usually when we're playing this kind of music, the band is maybe more towards the back of the stage or the back of the room and the the audience is in the front. For us as a band, it's really important just for the dancer to acknowledge that we're there and part of the show. And it's like as simple as when they come out the door and they do their first round, just stopping by the band for a little bit and then maybe going back to the front of the stage or, you know, it really depends on how the stuff is laid out. But I think it could be just as simple as coming over to the band, dancing near us or with us, connect us with the performance and stuff that's going on. You know, the dancer is the physical manifestation of the music. It's like a physical version of the sound of the oud or whatever music is going on. You know, it's like the dancer is almost interpreting the music for the audience who maybe is not familiar with the music. I think it's great also if one of us is soloing, whoever's being featured in the band at that moment, it's really great if the dancer comes by that band member and also helps to show the audience who in the band is being featured at that moment. I'm so glad I'm a musician. I sit in the same chair for two hours straight. I don't have to move to all this running around. <laughs> You know, running around. But yeah, for me, I think it's great if the dancer comes over to the band in the beginning. If someone's doing a toxine, comes back, kind of dances with them, shows the audience this is what's going on right now, and then goes back to the front. Visiting the band here and there throughout a performance is a great way to acknowledge the band and make the show like it's one unit. Mm-hmm. I'm just thinking about from the audience perspective, when I'm in the audience, I appreciate it so much when the dancer just makes eye contact with the band. Well, eye contact is like the hugest. Yeah. A lot of people ask about communicating with the band. Eye contact is so tremendous. If they're in the middle of a spin, they can usually make eye contact with me. And then I know I should do something different than what I'm doing <laughs> right now. But I've had some funny things happen where maybe beforehand I talk with a dancer and they're going to give me a cue like they're going to wink at me or something. But then they come out and we wink at each other all the time, you know? <laughs> Like, so it's like, I'm like, they've been out for like 13 seconds. They already winked at me. <laughs> My winking is terrible. 
I mean, if they're in the middle of a spin and wink at me, I assume they want to stop. Or if it's a tribal group and they turn and wink and I know they want to come out of their circle or they're changing leaders or whatever is going on. But yeah, the wink is funny because I've had people wink at me a lot. And then, oh, we were doing something. And then the cue for something was going to be one of these yips, you know, oh, yip, dear. Yip, right? And then we were playing for this huge tribal group. And when they came out on stage, the whole audience was like, yip, 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 yip. <laughs> I'm like, now what? Yeah. <laughs> Note to self, yipping or exaggerating. <laughs> need a different cue because they were like big popular and everyone's like oh, no, no, no. the whole time for like five minutes i'm like god damn it yeah. how am i supposed to <laughs> yeah. it's like when a little kid's in a grocery store going mom yeah, yeah. like oh yeah. <laughs> yeah so i learned we need some other cues sometimes but the eye contact is really good On Spotify, if you search for Carmine Gaida, you will find some great music for dancing as well as an album of rhythms for practice at different speeds, mm -hmm. which is so helpful, Carmine. Mm -hmm. For example, you can practice drumming Haliji rhythm with a recording starting slow at 90 beats per minute, mm -hmm. then up to 100 and then up to 120. And it's just so helpful. Mm -hmm. And it helps me too realize BPMs like I have to really internalize what is fast oh, and sure. what is considered slower in terms of the smaller intervals between those. And it's so helpful for dancers who just want to learn to identify rhythms and practice dancing that playlist in Spotify. That album, that Middle Eastern Rhythms, if you're making videos for online classes and that kind of thing, and you're doing drills or whatever, people are perfectly welcome to use that rhythms for practice. They can just email me and ask, that's fine. And also those BPM step ups, that was good for me to practice. If I want to practice soloing, I can practice at 100 beats per minute. Or if you want to practice zil patterns, you can practice at 100 and then 110. You know, you can step it up each time. And and it's good to practice at the speed you're comfortable at. Mm -hmm. I use it so I can step up practicing soloing and I know people who use it for uh, drills and other things. What is one thing that you wish more belly dancers knew about music? I think knowing a lot of the rhythm names is really handy. It's really great. If I'm playing for some dancer and they want to dance Saidi or something and they can say, do you have a song that starts with Saidi or do you have a song that starts with Balladi or can you not play Ayub or, you know, I think being able to communicate with that stuff is really handy. So I think knowing the names of the rhythms, if you're going to dance to a live band, it's really great to check out the live band beforehand. Maybe go a few weeks earlier with front person <laughs> or watch YouTube videos and you can see how the band plays a version of a song that you like you can kind of get a feel for the repertoire yeah good call i have a way to remember belody yeah. and saidi because saidi has the double doom in the center yeah right yeah and belody has the double doom in the beginning right. And Maksum has no double doom. Right. That's my little That's thing because I couldn't remember. I had to like, make that. If you listen to those old recordings that were originally on vinyl albums and they transferred them to MP3, it's sometimes really hard to hear what the drums are doing. I think it's just the recording isn't as good as we have now. There's not as much bass response and stuff. So I think sometimes it's just hard to hear on that older stuff. Even for me, I'm like, I think they're doing Saidi there or this type of song would use Saidi. So I'm going to assume they would use Saidi, but it's hard to hear on those old recordings what's going on on there yeah when i started belly dancing back in the day i would think about rhythms and i'd be like i can't even remember these words let alone what they 
mean, you know, yeah. but just focusing on one rhythm first yeah. and really getting yeah. that and then getting the other ones because it's very doable. I'm in a band too, and it helps so much when people can actually understand what the rhythm is. If I'm playing a little show and someone's going to come in and sit and play with me for a song or two, it's great if I can just say, hey, this song starts on Maksum and then it goes to Ayub and then it has a little Malfouf part. And that's all I need to tell them. And the, and the rhythms are really the foundation. If you have no idea what's going on with the melody line, at least that rhythm is still there. It's probably one of 10 rhythms if the melody is just out of control or doing something very strange. But I think having that rhythm foundation is good. I have a theory that if every dancer took two drum classes and if every drummer took two dance classes, the world would be a great place. I tried taking a Zill class once. Nice. Morocco, you know, she used to live very close to me. I'm like about five, six blocks away. She was having some Zill class. I'm like, you know, I'm going to go to the Zill class. And I went to the Zill class and I showed up and everyone's like, what? And I'm like, no, no, I'm just going to hang out in the back. I could do the Zill patterns fine. No problem. So I was like, I'm going to try some of these steps. They were pretty simple steps. And the first time I had to step on my left foot, but Zill in the right hand, I was like, I'm out. I'm out of here. I'm like, I tap it's out. Easy. It takes a lot of muscle memory. I'm like, wow, <laughs> I got to do that and smile too. No, like, <laughs> belly dancing is not for the faint of our heart. <laughs> this is a lot to do all at one time. For me as a musician, it's a good experience. I'm like, oh, Zills are easy. I was playing and I'm like, oh, I got to dance at the same time. I think it's great if dance take a couple Dumba classes and drummers take a couple dance classes. I've played for some dance classes and it's given me such an interesting view of what dancers do. I was teaching a class and she was doing these combinations and I I was like, how are they remembering all these steps? It was like four or five steps in a row. I'm like, how are they remembering all this? Like, I've already forgotten it. I think it's good to see the other side. I think it's good if dancers see what music classes are like and musicians see what dance classes are like. I think you've got a respect for what each other does. I want to skip to what do you think is the future of live music and dance? I'll tell you what's really cool. We're playing at this restaurant and we're outside. So when you're walking down the street, people can see us. And if we start playing, there's no one there. 20 minutes later, the place is full. They're turning people away. There's not a lot of entertainment right now that you can go out to. We're just barely opening museums. Bowling alleys are opening. <laughs> but there's not a lot of stuff to do. And I think people are into seeing live music right now. Friends of mine are asked, where can they go see jazz music? I think people miss this kind of stuff. They miss seeing live shows. Friends of mine are belly dancing outside now. You know, I think many, many years ago, there were all of these restaurants, tons of them in New York. And there was live music, belly dancing like every night of the week. Years ago, 2006, 2008, I was playing Wednesday night with Jin and Casey. And I was playing Thursday at this Greek restaurant and Saturday also a Greek restaurant. I was playing with Scott Wilson on Sunday. I had four live gigs a week. Now I have one every other week, even before COVID. I think if anything, we need to make our own shows. Previously, uh, the people who own these restaurants and these clubs would hire us and bring us in. But I think if we're going to perform, we need to make our own shows. We need these people for the space. But I think if we want to have a show happen, we need to create the show ourselves. Those days of there being a row of seven restaurants all having live music every night of the week, that's gone. If we want a live show to happen, we need to make it happen. You it's know? a great perspective because, you know, part of me gets all doomsday. There's less and less live music in general because DJs are so much easier for a venue to hire. And oh, a yeah, lot of yeah, people yeah. are totally unaware of the difference between recorded music and live music in a lot of ways. Yeah. You know, what's funny. I have friends who are not belly people and they'll come see me play and then they'll bring a friend of theirs who is not a belly person to see us play and they always love it. Mm. I think it's something they didn't even know they would like. And especially I think if someone is just a fan of music in general, just enjoys different kinds of music. When you hear this stuff um, and you see it live and you see these instruments you've never seen before, people think it's great. To me, we do this all the time, you know, but for them, it's very different. They just 
something very different that night. They saw a band playing Turkish music or Arabic music right. or something. It's such a funny thing. I feel like once people see the stuff, they really love it. But how do you get people outside of our scene to come to see? That's the tough part. And I guess just surrendering to that movement towards DJs and just be like, you know what, whatever. It's a totally different thing. And that's where most people are going to go. But when they do come to our shows, they are going to really enjoy it. That helps me just thinking of it that way. Oh, yeah. Different audiences like different things. If you want to go out and hear a DJ, that's very different than if we're going to hear a live band. But like I said, I think we need to make these shows. No one's going to call me and be like, I need a four-piece band mm-hmm. and two dancers. I need to make that show myself. Great. Thank you, Carmine. I want to do a whole online showcase where I ask every performer what they think the future of belly dance is and read that before they perform and just make it all about yeah. where we're going with their art. Cool. Yeah. What shows a musician that a dancer is confident dancing to live music? What does a musician look for as a signal that they can really get into it? Sometimes if someone says, oh, just play whatever you want, I'm like, well, that's great. They're not worried about everything being perfect. Or they might tell me, just play something not too slow, but whatever you're in the mood to play. I think it's great because I feel like if I play what I'm in the mood to play, mm-hmm. it's going to be really fun. I think some of the stuff I mentioned before where the dancer interacts with the band a lot, I feel like that shows that they're confident or comfortable dancing to live music. I play for dancers of all skill levels and I know if someone hasn't danced live music before, they might come out and then leave and then they haven't come said hi at all and it's totally fine. You know, I know if someone's like not used to dancing live band or they're very nervous, they might forget to come say hi to us, which is fine. But when I see a dancer interact with the band and do all the stuff with us, then I kind of know. One thing you said is the dancer straight up saying, play whatever you want, medium or slow tempo. That's a great piece of advice, Carmine. Yeah, these shows come and go. I don't think every show is going to make or break someone's entire career of doing whatever they're doing. It was funny. I was playing the other night and then I laughed and I turned to Brad. He's like, what's up? And I'm like, oh, I totally missed this note. He was like, only you know that. No other Oud players on this block right now. These mistakes are so small compared to the total amount of minutes or hours or years of performing this one turn here, this one thing there. It's it's so small. I don't think belly dancing and what we do is like an exact art form. I feel like it's very live and things happen organically. Just enjoying and relaxing is really important. And if then we can also do more, we can open up. You know, as musicians, because we open up. Relaxing is so important. And if you're drumming, you're going to hurt yourself if you are too stiff. When I teach classes, I see people, and this is probably just like our reaction of animals or something. You know, they stiffen up their wrists and their elbows, and then they're hitting the drum from their shoulder. They're powering it from their shoulder instead of letting the weight of their hands and the gravity take over. And I think this being relaxed in general is really important. I played last Saturday. It felt amazing. And part of it is I felt very relaxed. There were no technical issues. I was able to just really enjoy and be in the moment because I wasn't worried about all these other things. I'm so glad you're playing live outside right now. I'm so glad too. We're going to go inside soon. And I'm like, wait, (laughs) kind of like this outside thing. Who are some of your favorite dancers to play for and why? I have no favorites. I've played for Casey Chai like over a hundred times. It has to be. And I never get tired of seeing her dance. I've seen her dance a million times and I'll play for a hundred more times. I can just watch her all the time. She is great to play for. She is great interacting with the band. Jill Parker is great to play for. I loved having her at my camps. I just melt when I'm playing for her. She's amazing. There is a really fun drum solo of me playing with Bogoas at, I think, Tribal Con a few years ago. It's on YouTube. If you look up Carmine and Bogoas. He is so fun to play drum solos for. Oh my God. He has endless amounts of energy. I think we could solve the energy crisis. Just <laughs> tap Bagoas. Bagoas on one side and like a cat and like toast with butter or something, right? Is that some kind of thing you could do with that? Make a generator. Bagoas is so fun to play these drum solos for. You can take anything. It's great. 
I have a soft spot for Athena Najat. Early, 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 early on when I was first learning and finding out about this music and going to see shows and confused about everything. And she's one of the first dancers I ever played for 15 years ago, let's say. So I always really like playing for her because I get nostalgic, I think. How do you spell her last name? N-A-J-A-T. Okay, cool. I'll link to her. There's a couple of Athenas, yeah. And, you know, in New York City, we have so many fantastic local dancers I love to play for. We have Layla Isis and my friend Tava, and they're all different and have their own styles. They're just so fun to play for. There's millions of other people like Ava Fleming she's is like so fabulous too. I love. Yeah, she's so great. I love playing for everybody. And, you know, they don't need to be a super duper star. I've had so much fun playing all over the place and for all these people. And when I do these festivals, I play for a couple dozen people in a weekend. It's really fun. I have a really great time playing for everybody. So Danceable song. Is there a danceable song that you want to share? Brooklyn Ballady or Jimmy Hoffla from Jen. Brooklyn Ballady, that's a great one. I'll tell you a funny thing. When we were trying to come up with a band name a long time ago, Brad and I were texting name ideas back and forth. And Jimmy Hoffla was one of the ideas he had for the name of the band, <laughs> right? And I was like, well, that's a bit of a commitment to name the band Jimmy Hoffla. But we kept it as a song name. And we came up with Jen, which is such a great, simple, straightforward name. Those two Jen albums, usually I get an album of music back in the day and you get it. And there'd be one song that you didn't want to listen to all the time, but I loved every song yeah. on both of those albums. They were so solid. There's a song on there, Electric Brain Play. It's like an improvisation. Might be on the first yeah. album. Yeah, I see it. It's on the Middle East side, which is, again, a brilliant name for an album. <laughs> it's so fun. It's such a fun improv. Sounds like a movie chase scene or something like that. If you're looking to add something to your playlist, I would definitely add Brooklyn Ballady. Love it. The featured songs will always be available on Spotify on my Belly Dance Body and Soul playlist. Follow my playlist, listen for free, and dancing will become even easier with hundreds of diverse belly danceable songs, all curated for you and all on one list right at your fingertips. Just click on that Spotify icon on the top of aliciafree.com and it will take you right there. Let's do some dancing. Damn sexy dance move. What is one of your favorite belly dance moves? Oh, have you seen my tray routine? Yes, that's right. I knew there was something that you do. And you do a broom thing too. Don't you like balance a broom on your head? Yeah, I was balancing a broom. You know how those tables have like a metal top and it's separate from the little foldable base. Yeah. I was balancing one of those in my head. And a million years ago when I was like a baby drummer, I was playing for some balancing class. And since I was just playing the same thing over and over, I could pay attention to what was going on in the class. Yeah, I forgot that yeah. you do your balancing tricks. I love it when you bust those out. I need more moves. <laughs> it's very brief. <laughs> Also, I never use fire and stuff like that. I mean, that's like, you know. Next level. I don't think I'm going to do the fire. You know, many years ago, I forget what event I was at, but John Compton was sitting next to me. We were like sharing a Ooh. booth. This is a long time ago. And he does that thing with the tea set. Oh, oh man, it's like a table top huge tray and then there's a full tea set yeah. like serving for four. Yeah, I mean, that's pretty badass. I just go near the kitchen and grab a tray off the stack for the waiters, you know. <laughs> you know I don't have a tea set or fire on my head or anything, you know. I keep adding helpful free dance videos on YouTube and Instagram and Facebook. Subscribe and the moves will keep coming. Now let's take a moment to dote on delicious whole food that makes us dancers glow. Featured light in my body food. What is one vegan whole food that you love? Oh, tomatoes. Plus, I'm Italian. You know, I make a Sunday sauce. Sauce, we call it. So, yeah, if I was going to pick a thing, I'd probably say I have a lot of tomatoes. There's so many different tomatoes that are actually good that you can buy now. I feel like when I was a kid, there weren't delicious tomatoes at the grocery store. Have you traveled out of the country mm -hmm. a lot? 
And the last time I was in Turkey years ago, I was like, oh my God, this tomato is like amazing. It tastes like something. It doesn't taste like water. It's very rich. Also COVID, yeah. I have to cook. New York City's you cooking. Know? <laughs> we go out to restaurants so much here and we don't really cook and I might make breakfast here and there. We always go out to eat all the time. And when we were kids, my mom always cooked. My mom always cooked all the time and her cooking is absolutely fantastic. So I called her a few weeks in and I'm like, mom, how did you come up with stuff mm. to make all the time? She made different stuff all the time. I'm already tired of myself. Week five, I'm like already tired of everything I can make. But I got some stuff from her to make, so that was good. There's a delicious recipe for sweet basil corn chowder on my site, and it's banging with some chunks of tomato or cherry tomatoes. The chowder base is coconut milk, and I love the contrast of the red tomatoes with the white coconut milk. And for a more Carmine-style tomato recipe, check out the recipe for millet croquettes Italian-style that's on my site, aliciafree.com. I know some people hate on tomatoes because they're nightshades and there's a whole inflammation conversation around them. For example, you won't find tomatoes in macrobiotic cookbooks like the Great Left Cookbook that my in-laws wrote, but even my in-laws, who are mostly macro, eat tomatoes occasionally. Tomatoes treat me right. I feel good when I eat them. And for me, a sliced juicy tomato is a slice of heaven, especially a homegrown tomato, my God. My son loves snacking on those cherry tomatoes and sungold tomatoes when I leave them washed on the counter. You can get those colorful mixes of bite-sized tomatoes from the grocery store. Some of them are really good. Near the end of summer, I have these magical moments buying heirloom tomatoes from roadside farm stands and just slicing them and sprinkling them with balsamic vinegar and forking them right into my happy mouth. Carmine, thank you so much for bringing us this moment to appreciate delicious tomatoes. Let's play dress up. Make you shine costume tip. I actually bought a dance bra from Carmine that I love because he was helping a friend sell her costumes. After all these years, I bet you've learned a bit about belly dance costumes. I know that for band costumes, y'all wear black, but what is one costume tip that you'd like to share? You know, the one tip that people told me is you shouldn't dance for the first time in the costume at the show. I'll tell you something funny. In my Oud case, I have a couple of safety pins. And oh, yeah. I have them because it can solve all problems. And I've had yeah. one time dance be like, you don't have enough seats, but I'm like, I do. <laughs> one big one and one <laughs> so small nice one. You, Just in case something happens. So I sometimes have like two safety pins floating around in my oud bag somewhere. It's kind of an old school look, I think, for the band to be all wearing black. I think a lot of these old school Arabic bands I saw in New York would do that, where they're wearing all black. It's just nice and clean. It keeps the band look very clean just to wear black. Mm-hmm. It's funny, our oud player, he'll show up in these crazy Hawaiian shirts all the time. We all agree on a color. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and then there's that. Yeah, but I think the oud looks really nice against a black shirt because the oud is so much going on. True. People should do whatever they want. Good point. There's a nice contrast there. But hey, if you're going to sit in with me, bring that box. <laughs> if you have a costume tip to share, please send it my way via Facebook or an email through my site. As Will Durant said, we are what we repeatedly do. So let us repeatedly do what the divinely lovely do. Feel good. Look good habit. Do you have a feel-good, look-good habit that you want to share? Oh, yeah, sure. You know, sometimes in the morning, I start with playing a little bit of oud or music. I also have like a guitar here and the ukulele. I mean, especially now, I'm a college professor and I teach online all day. So I think what's nice is instead of like you wake up and you get in front of the computer immediately, just playing oud for like 20 minutes is really good for my brain. It relaxes me a little bit and brings in the day in a less harsh way. A little bit of music in the morning is a great way to start the day. I feel like I did something already. I woke up, played some music already today. Mm-hmm. Well, you're definitely meant to be a musician, Carmine. <laughs> 
tell us about something exciting that you have coming well, up. Well, oh, I'm working on a PhD right now. So I am hopefully going to be Dr. Gaida in about a year and a half. I guess that's exciting. I'm looking forward to just playing music again. I think these little gigs are so big for me now. I really look forward to them just doing little things. I'm excited just to be excited again. I hear you. Carmine, this has been so amazing. This is a dream come true for me to just sit down and chat with you for a while and share more of the resources you've created and your opinions and your perspective on being a musician who loves to play for dancers. It's just invaluable. Thank you so much. Right now, I'm going to represent every day dancer that you've ever played for and say thank you from all of us (laughs) and i've taken your drum classes thank you for all the training that you've given to musicians as well i love teaching you're a great teacher so thank you so much carmine thank you i hope you've enjoyed the show please subscribe and let your friends know what you got out of this show Dance with me on YouTube, listen to the music I've selected for you on Spotify, and try some free vegan recipes on aliciafree.com. This is Alicia Free, hoping this show helped you feel a little lighter.